What's going on, everyone? Elliot Shore Parks here. We are back with the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. Today, we're going to introduce new co-host Zach Rosenblatt, taking over from Matt Lombardo. We're going to get to know Zach a little bit. We're going to talk about Alshon Jeffrey. Zach recently spoke to Alshon about where he's at with his shoulder injury. How concerned should Eagles fans be about the fact that he might not be ready until week one? And how concerned should fans be about injuries overall with this team as they look to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Uh, we're also going to talk about the draft, which is now you know a little over two weeks away. What are the Eagles going to do at number 32 overall? Should they trade back? And what position should they target? Uh, or should they try to trade out? And finally, we're going to do a quick hit talking about all the additions to this team. Guys like, you know, uh, Nada, Warrior, Richard Rogers. What do they mean for this roster? So finally, if you are listening, which we do appreciate, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you go subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spreaker. So anywhere you can get your podcast, you can uh, subscribe to us and you'll be able to get our episodes as soon as they come out. So if you're on YouTube, toss us that thumbs up. Leave us a review. And finally, let's just get this thing started. All right, everybody. No huddle show. New co-host. No more Matt Lombardo, sadly, who is now covering the Giants for NJ.com. You can check him out on the Talk is Cheap podcast about the Giants if you're a Giants fan listening to this. But <laughs> that would be weird. That. Yeah, that, but that means now that voice you just heard, that's not Matt. That's Zach. So, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I, as you can tell, my voice is not quite as deep and uh, and, and good for this kind of medium as, as Matt. <laughs> yeah, you'll, Matt, have, to, Matt's you'll voice. have to work on pronouncing Halapuli Vili Vitae like, like Man, Matt. Man, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm, I fail at pronouncing basic names, so it's going to be <laughs> <a surprise. laughs> All right. Well, we'll just call him Big V then. That'll be yeah, easier. I like but, that. Uh, yeah, no, so Matt covers the Giants now, so you're probably thinking to yourself, why hasn't there been an episode for probably two or three weeks now? And not blaming Matt, even though that's what I love to do for his bad takes, but just a lot of transition at NJ.com. He went to the Giants, we, we hired Zach to cover the Eagles, there was another new Giants writer, so it just, you know, there was a lot of moving parts. And to be honest, everyone was probably still hungover from the Super Bowl win anyway, so wasn't, you know, it just took a while. But the good news is, now that Zach's on board, we're going to be back. We're going to have podcasts for you more regularly during the offseason. There'll be a ton of draft stuff to talk about. And then what's crazy is, Zach, like literally in a week from now, the Eagles will be back at the NovaCare Complex. Yeah. Wow. That's I mean, it's it's funny how quickly it works. I, I know I think Doug or Howie Roseman kind of mentioned it when you talked to them at the at the league meetings. It like because, almost because of the Super Bowl, they had, they didn't really have a chance to sit back and relax because they they kind of got behind on draft evaluations and and looking at free agency stuff. So it, the Eagles really don't get a break. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember I saw Howie at the combine, uh, which I guess was like a month ago at this point, and I said to him, "It's just weird that they do play football next year. It's almost like the Eagles win the Super Bowl, <laughs> and that's the just yeah, yeah. It's it. It's it. That's football's it. Up, but, football's done. <laughs> but when but when Lurie talked at the owners' meetings in Florida, he said like the day after they won the Super Bowl. I mean, I guess they have a group chat, which must be pretty epic between oh, man, like, I, Howie. I see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's the emoji user in that one? <laughs> it feels like it's probably Howie. But um, Howie, Dom Smolinski, Doug, and Lurie were already talking about what they could do to improve this team. So uh, I saw it this morning. I think it was on Pro Football Talk or something like that, that people are around the league feel the Eagles are do, are treating this offseason as, as if they're desperate to make the Super Bowl. So, I mean, sorry, desperate to make the playoffs. So if you're an Eagles team, I guess you like to hear that. I mean, I don't think you want to make moves in a desperate way. And I don't think the Eagles are, but I think it does speak to the fact that the Eagles are going after this offseason off full steam ahead. Uh, even though, you know, it, they just won the Super Bowl, it does seem like they're not 
Uh, they're not just relaxing on that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at all the guys that they've either, you know, they've been out so many pro days, they've had their assistant coaches, like, working out guys at pro days, and I think there's been, like, 16 or 17 or 18 of their allotted 30 uh, visits in Philadelphia, and most of those guys are pretty good players, and you can just you can just see how active they are in scouting guys, and I think that indicates that there might be some activity on draft night. I mean, we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely not resting on their laurels, that's for sure. And I don't know if it's just you. I mean, I don't know if, if you also agree with this or if people listening do, but like I'm into the draft. I love draft season. I love talking about, you know, potential trades, who they're going to take, who will fall. But this, for some reason, this draft season seems a little like boring. I don't know if that's just because Eagles are Super Bowl champs. They're picking at 32. Whereas like, you know, three years ago, there was all the Mariota hype, whether they'll go up and get him. And then the Eagles were in a playoff team. So they had a top 15 pick. And then last year, um, they already had their quarterback, but they were still 14 overall. So I don't know if it's just because they're 32, but to me, it just seems like there's not as much buzz, which is crazy because the draft is, like I said, I mean, it's the end of the month and it's today's the ninth. So, I mean, it's like, you know, three weeks away. So you mean like boring in terms of the Eagles, not like the draft in general, right? Well, I would maybe say the draft in general. I mean, what really? do you think? I mean, I guess besides the quarterback stuff. Yeah, I don't know if I can ever remember a draft where it was kind of so wide open at the top, which is kind of exciting. I, I, I guess true, you're, I guess. you're right. After, after Once you get past the quarterbacks and, you know, whether it's going to, it might, I mean, the way it's sounding, it might go like four quarterbacks in a row or something, which is crazy. But mm. the fact that we don't know who the number one pick is and the draft is two weeks out is pretty exciting. But, but yeah, I mean, once you get past the top 10, it probably is not quite as exciting, except for like the Lamar Jackson storyline, maybe. So at the at the NFL owners meetings, they have this party every year. It's for like, I, I guess it's for a chance for the media to like kind of mingle with the owners, the coaches and the GMs. Although I feel like pretty soon they're just going to kick the media out because <laughs> it is like probably one of the nicest parties I go to all year. Just like free food, free drinks. It's always a good time. So humble brag. Um, yeah, humble brag. Exactly. Like you weren't there. It's fine. Maybe next year. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm like joking around with uh, Joe Douglas is there. And I, you know, I said to him, well, you know, Eagles fans make fun of me all the time because. I famously, on Twitter at least, in Eagles Twitter, said I would rather have Cardell Jones in the fourth than Carson Wentz at number eight overall. So I think we can all agree that I'm kind of happy the Eagles aren't evaluating quarterbacks this year and that I don't have to drop <laughs> any more quarterback takes. But that being said, before we get into Alshon, I'm just curious, do you have a personal ranking of these year's quarterbacks? Like, who, you know, wh- who do you like? So I'm I'm a huge Josh Rosen fan. I mean, I— okay. I mean, I, I covered the Pac-12 for the last, like, five years, and I think Sam Darnold is awesome. He makes a lot of mistakes, the only thing. And Josh Rosen, he's just so poised and smart, and he's such a high football IQ, and he has a cannon of an arm. I I just think he's ready to step in right now and compete. Uh, if, if I was ranking them, I would probably go one Josh well, Rosen. Well, let me, let, me, let me rephrase this. Who, If you're an Eagles fan, who do you least want the Giants okay. to take at number two overall? Oh, that, that's a good way of phrasing it, actually. Um, actually a little more like, Eagles topical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Sam Darnold, honestly, because out of the, the those group of four guys, he's the most athletic. He's the most mobile. He's he's able to make. Well, out of I mean, Lamar Jackson. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess if we're counting, I, I was just thinking of like the top four. Top guys. four guys. All right. But yeah, I I would in terms of the Giants, they're they're more since they're at number two right now. I'd say probably Sam Darnold is one you don't want them to get. Mm-hmm. I think what you want them to do is draft Saquon. And Matt would slice my head off hearing <laughs> that, you know. But well, no, Matt I mean, would I be think hyped if that happened. Yeah, I mean, you, you want them to take Saquon, and you want them to uh, 
you want them to uh, stick with Eli. But all right, we're going to talk about draft stuff a little later. I was just curious. I mean, I kind of miss ranking the quarterbacks, even though deep down I'm happy I don't <laughs> have to do it for my personal retweet brand. But I am, you know, happy I don't have to do that. But let's talk about Alshon because last week you got a chance to talk to Alshon. Um, he was at, uh, I guess, well, you know more about it, but it was a Foot Locker event, I guess. Yeah, it, it's like this boys and girls club event that they, it's like a five-week program or something where they, it's like has to do with getting kids in shape and uh, and being active and stuff. And it was like the last day and they, and Alshon Jeffries, it was really funny. The kids, they were like celebrating the end of it. And then they asked the crowd, like, do you, is everybody in here an Eagles fan? They all went crazy. And, uh, and then they said, all right, well, we have, we have a special guest and Alshon Jeffrey comes running out. And I tweeted, it, it was like, it was like how I imagined how crazy people sounded when the Beatles would walk into a room because they, <laughs> so did they not know he was at, coming out. They had no idea he was coming wow. out. He was just kind of hiding in the back room, which is funny. He was like 10 feet from them and they didn't know it. He comes wow. out and they start screaming at the top of their lungs in, in excitement. It was really cool. Especially because Alshon's kind of a low key guy. I mean, you've, you've yeah. talked more than I have, but uh, just in my, just watching him and interacting with him the other day, he's pretty low key. So it was just, it was just cool seeing how the reception he had and how much he was loving it. The thing about Alshon is, and I know that fair or not, I've already planned, Firmly planted my flag to everybody as anti Alshon. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to take for you on that in a little bit. But um, the thing about Alshon is, like, when I was first getting to know him last year, like in OTAs, and then he was not practicing in training camp, and there was this debate about, you know, is he just dogging it? How important is it that he missed? Then he got off to a slow start. And, like, we can debate all that. But I think the thing I've learned about Alshon, and that's the interesting part about getting to know these guys, is, you know, everybody on the roster is different. Like they're not just football players. Like everyone has a different personality. And the thing I think I've learned the most about Alshon in the last 365 days since they signed him is he is just a genuinely good guy, like very like, you know, Southern laid back, like, you know, just like a good guy, right? He's not like a loud talker. When he talks to the media, he kind of mumbles. But I think what I've learned most about him is your teammates love him, right? You saw him at a charity event. He loves doing that type of stuff. I remember last year he would sign autographs for fans. Like I would go up to him and be like, Hey, Alison, are you practicing? And he would basically blow me off. And then he would stop and like interact with fans. So I just think that Alshon, although we can debate him on the field, like I don't want people to think off the field that I don't think he's a good guy. Like Alshon is a valuable member of this locker room. And, la- and last year when he was on that one year deal, I wrote when they first signed him that this could potentially be an issue because you're going to have a guy who's going to be looking for a new contract. You're going to have a, you know, second year quarterback, a lot of mouths to feed. How's he going to handle that? And, you know, not to take a dig at Alshon, but he got off to a slow start and, you know, he never really put up dominant numbers when they were all said and done. His numbers looked good, but there was never games where he had 200 yards or 150 yards and he handled that really well. And I think when we talk about the Eagles and yes, Doug Peterson deserves a ton of credit for what he did in making that locker room what it is. But guys like Alshon, Garrett Blunt, who were on these one-year deals, who you know needed to kind of come in and have big years that really put their own interests second to the team, deserve a lot of credit for that. So that's my that's my Alshon take on uh, on him. And then I'll I'll you know later on I'll say why Jordan Matthews is going to have more catches on him. <laughs> but no, I but mean, I mean what? So what did Alshon say? What did Alshon say when you talked to him? Yeah, that's a mouthful. But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, well, before we got into like his injury talk, you know, I, he it was really cool. I, I was talking about what it's been like since they won the Super Bowl. And for a guy that's been on the team for a year, he was telling me how he's had like grown men coming up to him, crying and hugging him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was down in Miami and and he saw some lady 
And uh, she saw him and she started crying her eyes out and thanking him. And, and he even said Sal Palantonio from ESPN shook his hand and was bawling his eyes out. And I guess he was running like... into a lot of Jordan Matthews fans on the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jordan Matthews gave him a hug. and was Yeah, crying. exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, just seeing, like, this is a guy who just came here a year ago and just the joy in his face when he's telling me this. And he talked about how he came from, like, this very small town in South Carolina. And I looked mm-hmm. it up. Their, their population is less than 2,000. And uh, just, just him talking about just the reaction he's beginning, he, he, he really loves it here. And it's yeah. kind of for a guy who's only been here a year. But, yeah, so, I mean. The, what did he say about his shoulder, though? Yeah, the, obviously the main topic is his shoulder. Uh, you know, he, he said he – well. First, in terms of recovery, I guess I'll cover that first because that's the most important. He said he thinks he'll be back by the end of July, early August, to which places him right around, I guess, the preseason. Back, uh, like, in pads fully practicing or back, like, able to do football activities? I think able to do football activities. And he sounded very confident that he'll be back for week one, considering how this is a pretty serious injury and he, and he played yeah. on it, which I think he still endured. has a cast on, I believe. Yeah, Not a cast. He, like no, he's a sling. sling. Right? He has a sling, and, and he said he doesn't really leave his place much because he's trying to rehab. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's endearing himself to Eagles fans by admitting that he's playing through intense pain the entire year. He he told me the doctor told him before the season he's going to have to miss the season. And he kind of looked at, at the trainer and was like, now nah, we have to figure something else out. Right. And he and he played through it, which is awesome. But that that's a pretty serious injury. And the Eagles, you know, you think they would lean on the side of caution. They just brought in Mike Wallace. They have Matt Collins and they and they have Nelson Aguilar and they might even draft another receiver. So while I. Th- I, I still think he, he might be ready for week one. The fact that he won't be participating in the majority of off-season activities is, is definitely a concern. Yeah, I can't decide how concerned I would be about if I was an Eagles fan. On one hand, yes, you want him out there. Um, obviously, I mean, he but, but he's already played a year with Carson Wentz, who presumably is going to be under center in week one, and he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So I'm not so, And he knows the offense. I mean, there's always changes to the offense, but I'm not so sure how much him not practicing is a concern. But I think kind of when you add it up, um, Alshon's not going to be – my personal guess just from – I know you talked to him, but just from being around Alshon last year, seeing the way they handled him in training camp, kind of what he was like in training camp with the Bears, I would be pretty surprised if he played more than like eight snaps in the preseason, and I would be pretty surprised if he did a lot of the team activity. I mean, now – so last year he had the same shoulder injury we know now, and he barely participated in team drills at all. Uh, I think he probably ended up – maybe doing 25% of the team drills in training camp, maybe a little higher, but he basically didn't end up doing much. And then he did get off to a slow start. But I think this year is a little different. And the other reason I think it's not a huge deal is I think you've seen last year that when guys have more time with Carson Wentz, that second year is really where they take off. I mean, last year, so when, when Wentz was a rookie, he had Aguilar and Ertz, right? And that was basically the two players that came with him from his rookie year to his second year. And you can make the argument those were the Eagles' best two receiving options last year. So I think that, you know, yes, the injury is a semi-concern, but if you told me Alshon was completely healthy, um, I would think he's going to have a huge year next year just because you'll have that chemistry with with Wentz, though he'll be a second, you know, second year in the uh, in the offense. The injury to me is a bit of a concern just because, like you mentioned, it is a serious injury. He still has a sling on his arm. But I, I still think that the uh, that he'll he'll be there in week one. I just think he'll be very limited in training camp. And maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, they they had a longer season than anybody else in the NFL. and I think from February to their first game in September, that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. a pretty good stretch to recover at least. So you, you, 
I mean, he's a tough guy, so I, I think he'll be fine. You know, maybe he doesn't have his best game in week one, but I think he's in line, like you mentioned. I mean, Carson Wentz is ridiculous, and if it, he, they seem to really like each other, those two guys. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I saw some somewhere that some guy, somebody projected uh, Alshon to get eight touchdowns or nine touchdowns next year. I think the yards are be, will be the thing that we'll be looking at because he didn't really have as many yards. I don't think he had a single 100-yard game. I'd be well, pretty surprised. Well, fun, fun fact, Zach, I don't think he's had over 100 yards in something like 24 straight games. So wow. he's just not a guy that really Big does yardage that. guy. Yeah. yeah. And he's kind of a guy like – and, I mean, obviously I know you've watched Eagles before, but last year <laughs> he would have, you know, like 40 – he'd have like – 35 yards in the first quarter and everyone would be like in my mentions like oh man here we go and then he'd end up with like 55 now i mean but and i was actually thinking about this earlier tell me what you think what's a better catch odell beckham's one-handed catch obviously you know which one i'm talking about yeah yeah or alshon jeffrey's catching the super bowl man alshon's catching the super bowl is really really good I guess, and it won them the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if I guess if you're factoring in like the importance of the catch, yeah, factor in the moment, course, factor in everything, yeah. Then of course, yes. In terms of like that, just the, if we're just looking at the specific catch, then Odell Beckham's degree of gift difficulty was pretty ridiculous. But but yeah, it was it, Alshon's. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, it's the, that that catch is the. I mean, I've been covering the NFL for like five or six years now. That's the best catch I've ever seen on my own two eyes. The Alshon yeah. one. Just yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that he grabbed onto that ball. And the funny thing people want to talk about, too, is, like, the Giants lost that game, I'm pretty sure, that Odell had that catch in. Wow, I didn't right? even think it's kind of one of those things that, like, you just kind of forget everything else that happened in just a moment. But, yeah, I think you might be right, actually. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's kind of like Super Bowl catch or Odell. But anyway, so I would just I think mean, about You could argue that Alshon's catch is, like, what is like the greatest in Eagles history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean – I mean, probably, yeah, because it just the Zach Ertz catch did win them the Super Bowl, I guess, in a way. But yeah, I would true. argue the Alshon catch. Or, or, the Nick, or the Nick Foles uh, Philly yeah, special. That, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Trey Burton has the best throw in Eagles history, and Nick <laughs> Foles has the best catch. So, um, all right. So, now, Alshon, let me, let me drop one take on you, and then I promise <laughs> – I promise, guys, we won't talk about Jordan Matthews ever again. But tell me if that's, if, not, this will, that's, not, that's a lie. That's yeah, a lie. and, and we'll, this will transition into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is slow starts. But do you think next year, Jordan Matthews, who will have more catches, Jordan Matthews or Alshon Jeffrey? I still think Alshon. I know he's going to the Patriots, and they, they lost uh, Amendola. Amendola. And he'll probably fill that role. I think Matthews is going to have a really good year. But, I mean, he missed most of last year, actually. We don't know how he looks. He didn't really get much interest on the free agent market, which kind of means mm-hmm. something. Uh, but, I mean, he does yeah, one Yeah, one year, $1 million deal plus 700000 yeah. in incentives. Only so, 170000 guaranteed. So, as much as it hurts the same, maybe he's not even a lock to make the roster. Yeah, that was I, actually, really I actually just saw a tweet plan. about that. I saw that if he makes the team – yeah, he's not – there's something about if he gets – it doesn't cost them anything if they cut them, basically. I mean, that's pretty That'd be really bad for me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad for your brain. But, uh, <laughs> that would be very bad for my mentions. I mean, the Patriots, the Patriots spread the ball around so much, and even Amendola, yeah. during, throughout a season, he didn't really have as many catches as you would think, uh, especially over his career there. And mm-hmm. uh, Julian Edelman will be back and healthy. So, I, I don't know. I, I just think we talked about Alshon potentially breaking out after another year under his belt. I know he, he doesn't get, like, the high yardage totals, but I, I think he's going to be targeted quite a bit, even yeah. with Mike Wallace and uh, – and Nelson Aguilar are still around. Well, here would be my counter. And to be clear, I'm not saying I think Jordan Matthews will. But I think that Jordan Matthews is not going to be fully healthy. He's going to be in an offense that I think suits him well. And here's the thing about Alshon. Even though I just said I'm not sure it's a huge concern, I do think when you pile everything up with this Eagles team, like coming off a Super Bowl, 
Uh, Wentz probably won't play in the preseason. Alshon probably won't play in the preseason. New receiver, new starting receiver, likely. I mean, I think Mike Wallace is going to start now that he's Yeah, I think so. Up. Yeah, so um, new starting receiver on that side. Uh, two new tight ends behind Ertz. A um, lot of different changes on the defense. Well, maybe not a lot, but, uh, you know, hello, Sato's new. Yeah, uh, Worley. So I do think there there's a lot of changes. So I think the Eagles could potentially get off to a slow start. Um, and then you have the Vikings week one, who I think the Eagles are better than the Vikings. I think they probably win that game just because I don't think the Vikings have it in them to beat the Eagles. But Kirk Cousins has played well against them. Primetime game. Teams that win the Super Bowl traditionally don't do great in that first game on Thursday night. Uh, so what do you think? Slow start for the Eagles. I know we're looking four months out, but I mean, you think <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do though on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, after last year, I just learned to just believe that Doug Peterson will get his team ready. I, I was just thinking in my head, it would be kind of not funny, but if, if like Carson, it's Carson Wentz's first game back, he plays the Vikings. Maybe they lose that game. Like what, what you know, there's a portion of the fan base that will be like, Hey, Nick Foles killed them. Maybe, right. we, maybe we go back to Nick, Foles. like you just know there's going to be, if that happens, you just know there's going to be some people who at least float that question out there. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I mean, overall, like outside of the Vikings, I mean, their schedule hasn't come out yet, so we don't know who they're going to be playing. I mean, it could be they have three cupcake games after the Vikings, but do you think that the training camp thing with Wentz and Alshon, like, does that concern you as a slow start overall outside of just the Vikings? Yeah, it, it kind of does. I mean, it is, you, you know, I know they have most of their roster coming back, but they do have new pieces and uh, they haven't played with Wentz in, in a while now, actually. And, and, it is important to build that chemistry in the offseason, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, they, they spend every they spend the dog days of summer together. That's kind of where you get you become close with these guys and where the new guys kind of get to develop a chemistry. You know, Mike Wallace and Carson Wentz are going to have to figure each other out. They're going to have to yeah. feel each other out. There's going to be, you know, a new second tight end, whether it's Richard Rodgers or another uh, rookie. And Zach Ertz has tend to miss a few games. And it's going to be important for Carson to get a rapport with the backup tight end, too. I know that sounds right. kind of ridiculous, but it is important. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just chemistry more than readiness, I guess, is how I would phrase it. Right. All right. Well, so you brought up Richard Rodgers. So let's let's talk about the new guys. Just quick hit, you know, 30, 35 seconds on each guy. Let's start with Richard Rodgers. I I saw him last week at his press conference. The thing that I really took away from him is, A, I think he's coming in here thinking he's going to have a big year. Took a one-year bet on himself. He said he thinks it's a chance for him to reset his market next offseason. And two, just like he looks so much more like a tight end than Trey Burton did. Trey Burton, Philly legend at this point, was kind of a tweener. Richard Rodgers looks much more like Zach Ertz. Actually, he kind of looks like one of the Morris twins from the NBA, <laughs> like in body. Philly guys. Yeah, exactly. I think like he, for some reason he, uh, when he walked in, that's who the, he first reminded me of. But he's just like a much bigger guy. And then you look and you see some of the catches he made during his time with the Packers. Obviously, he had that Hail Mary. But a lot of passes where he like laid himself out, used those long arms to make it. So – when they first signed him, I was kind of like, all right, maybe this guy doesn't even make the team. And I still think when the money comes out, we'll see that he still has to make it. Like, it's not a guarantee. But I actually do think that um, this guy has the potential to make an impact next year. That's that's interesting. I, I haven't even thought about the way he looks because, you know, Burton was a smaller guy and he is, what is he, 6'4"? Uh, yeah, I mean, and he, he was like a quarterback, H-back type guy in Florida for a little. And then when he first came here, he did a little bit of that stuff with Chip. But, like, he is undersized for uh, a tight end. Uh, I meant his Rodgers. I meant his Rodgers 6'4". Oh, Rodgers. Uh, I have to look it up, but I just know off I ended up, he looks a lot more like Ertz. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, so, size. yeah, I mean, I, I think he can't – he has the potential to be a pass-catching option, I think, in uh, 20 – 
15 or 16, he had a lot of yards. But I, mm-hmm. and I'm just a little concerned that I know Rodgers was hurt most of last year, so you kind of have to throw last year out the window. But I think the year before that, he just didn't wasn't targeting Rodgers. <laughs> Rodgers wasn't right. targeting Rodgers. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe there's something there's something to that. Maybe they were focusing on other directions, but okay. I, the, the 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 huge drop off is kind of concerning to me when you have the best maybe the best quarterback in the league. Uh, yeah, he I, missed a lot of last year though. Yeah, he did. So, so so we'll see. I mean, I yeah, like he's not a guarantee to make the roster. In theory, he's a good pass catcher. He hasn't proven to be anything in the blocking game, which they need to find somebody mm-hmm. with Brent Selleck on. So that'll be the thing I'm eyeing. If they if maybe they draft someone in the late rounds who's a good blocker and they can just plug him in as like a extra offensive lineman almost. And, and, and then in that sense, I think Rogers would make a lot of sense, but until they get another guy who can block, I'm, I'm just not hundred percent right. convinced Rogers will make the team. All right. So Daryl Worley, a guy that they traded for traded Torrey Smith to get um, comes in to a crowded quarterback, a cornerback situation. Maybe we're not saying that after the draft, who knows, but as of now you have five guys that legitimately feel they should be starting. To me, the first takeaway I had when they traded for Worley, well, I guess the first two. One, I thought, well, this means someone's getting traded. I've backed off that a little bit. But I think my second takeaway was I really feel like they might put Worley in that Corey Graham type safety slash corner role because this is a guy that played a lot of snaps for the Panthers, started a lot of games, started the majority of the games over the last two years. Um, A guy that the Eagles liked before he was drafted. Um, So I think he is going to play a role. To me, like I, he is not he's not going to be just someone that rides a bench and they trade it for him, even though they're going to cut Torrey Smith. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of Daryl Worley next year. And to me, the biggest takeaway is I think he's going to be kind of like a, a Jack type guy where he like goes Jack of all trades, goes all over the field. What do you think? You know, I, I agree with all that. And he's intriguing. He's young. He's on a cheap deal. But just in the back of my head, I just keep thinking like. So the Panthers had this 25-year-old defensive back, and they gave him up for a wide receiver past his prime, coming off a bad year, who the Eagles are probably going to cut. Like that, mm-hmm. that that just says that just says I, I know the Panthers haven't always made the best moves in terms of trading away. I mean Josh Norman, they just let go. Uh, right. But but I don't, I don't, it's a little bit concerning to me that they're willing to trade Daryl Worley so easily for a guy that they probably could have picked up on the free agent market for a cheaper contract. Yeah. So I think that's completely fair. So it's nothing to do with football. It's just purely like there has to be something there. You would think uh, maybe there's not. The, Howie Roseman has stumbled on, maybe not stumbled, but he's found diamonds in the rough, kind of like this in the past. And I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if Daryl Worley is an important and contributing player this year, and and maybe makes it so they don't have to sign another backup safety. But yeah, I'm I'm just a little bit concerned that they were willing to give him up so easily. All right, Haloti Nada. I'll let you go first on Haloti <laughs> Nada because I've already. Basically, he's my new Alshon, where like for everyone thinks I hate him now. But what what do you think about the Nada signing? I think some of your concerns are warranted. Uh, he the thing is he he's just such he's a veteran. He's he was amazing in his prime. He was really good even a long time he, ago. Yeah, I know it was. <laughs> That's for sure. He he was really good before he got injured with the Lions too. Uh, but yeah, I mean he's he's 34, 14 year pro, coming off a serious injury. And, uh, you know, they let a guy in Bo Allen go was a lot younger and obviously it was more expensive. And I, I think this is more a financial move than anything because they mm-hmm. just don't have cap space. I think they're less than they've got to be close to zero cap space after the, their most recent signings. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't love it, but I don't think it's that big of a deal either. I think they, they might need a draft a guy to, to groom as the, you know, for next year. 
So, so here's why I think it is kind of a big deal is because last year – and my anti-Nada take is more of a pro-Bo Allen take because last year Bo Allen played really well for this team for like 430-something snaps, which is basically how much Timmy Jernigan played. Now, Jernigan I think was – I think he might have missed a game or two. But overall, I mean Jernigan – was obviously was his team starter, but Bo Allen essentially split time with him. And that really happened later on in the season when Jernigan's play dipped a little. So I think when you look at it overall, you say, okay, am I sure what I'm going to get from Jernigan next year? Like, am I positive he's going to be that guy he was at the beginning of last year? And I'm not. I really like Timmy Jernigan. I think he is a very good player, but he he did not play well at the end of the year. There's just no denying that. So there is that concern that the fact that your starter dipped next, last year. Then there's the fact that the third defensive tackle spot on this team is essentially a starter. That's what what the snap count showed last year. I mean, this this defensive line group, defensive line coach Chris Wilson, they love to rotate guys in and out. It's why Derek Barnett made such a big impact last year, even though he didn't start a single game. And I know he's a defensive end, but they love to rotate guys basically besides Fletcher Cox in and out. So whoever is going to be that third defensive tackle is going to need to play a lot and going to need to play at a very high level. So my question is, is are we sure Haloti Nada coming off that injury at age 34 is better than Bo Allen right now? Like, I'm not sure about that because I thought Bo Allen played well last year. Then you look at Bo Allen's contract you, on the surface with like with all NFL deals, three years, 15 million. You go, oh, there's no way they're going to pay that. Really, it's a one-year deal for five million, and then two team options. And Nada got three and a half, right, or something like that. So yeah. you're, you're you're talking about a million and a half more dollars. Which, as you mentioned, they are tight against the cap, but you know what you're getting in Bo Allen. You know he knows your defense. He's considerably younger than Haloti Nada. So to me, I just thought of all the the moves they made, that one has the biggest like going to backfire potential, just because they need Nada more than people think. Now, the last point I'll say about this is after the draft, we could be looking at this differently because the more we more the closer we get to the draft, I've always thought it was going to be a defensive lineman. Now I'm thinking it's going to be a defensive tackle. And if that's the case, then you say, okay, well, Nada's going to be like a veteran type guy. You're going to use the youth of this guy to come in and, you know, give Jernigan those breaks. And then you look at Nada playing more like 250 snaps or something like that. But as of right now, those are my concerns about the Nada signing. Yeah, and I think something – if they do draft a guy, then that indicates that they don't really have any confidence in Elijah Qualls. And then if they don't right. draft a defensive tackle, then I think that means that they are pretty still pretty high in his future. And he, he's kind of a guy that, you know, you, you think that they, maybe they're developing to be the Lodinata next year and kind mm -hmm. of the if, – if, but if he's not ready, then they need to draft somebody. So I think we're, we're going to know – we're going to have a pretty good idea what they think about some of the fringe guys on the roster based on how the draft goes. I mean, look, anytime you can sign a guy that talks about retiring in his introductory press conference, <laughs> got, you got to do it. You got to do it. So, so I have concerns about it. But overall, so before we move to the draft, instead of going through some of the other guys, overall, how do you feel really quickly about the Eagles offense? So, I mean, off season so far, better, worse, same, like do you like the majority of the moves. I mean, how do you think Howie and Joe have done? I, I think I, I would say it's, it's been solid. I don't think it's been an amazing off season. I don't think it's been a bad offseason. I think it's somewhere in the middle. They, they've added a lot of solid guys. Uh, you know, Michael Bennett, you know, he, uh, there's the off the field thing going on that, you know, is kind of a distraction and we'll see how that plays mm -hmm. out. But he's a, he's a talented pass rusher and probably an upgrade over Vinnie Curry. Uh, I mean, you, I don't know. I, I just think overall they added a lot of guys on cheap deals. 
low risk signings, low risk trades. And I think that's kind of Howie's MO that, that he's, he kept, he's kept everybody they needed to keep. They let Patrick Robinson go, but they ended up keeping Nigel Bradham because of that. So, yeah. you know, it, it, losing Patrick Robinson's a concern to me, but yeah, I, I think they're in good shape. They, they're the rare Super Bowl team that's kind of bringing back almost their entire starting lineup, which is pretty crazy. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I think you, it's hard to complain considering most of the moves they had to make were for depth. So the one move we didn't talk about, but I'll include in my answer to this, I think the Mike Wallace signing has a chance to really be a, be a big one. I think he's going to be a big upgrade over Torrey Smith. Um, just from watching what he did in Baltimore, some of the catches he made, he didn't have the drop issues Torrey Smith had, but it wasn't just about the drops. He made catches that Torrey Smith doesn't make last year. And so I think that could really end up helping whoever's at quarterback in week one and Wentz, you know, eventually. Um, so I, I really like that signing. The Bennett one, legal issues aside, I think he'll be an upgrade. Again, I like Curry more than other people. think he'll, he will be an upgrade, though. Um, still concerned about the tight end position, but I think overall this team is better unless you can take into account the fact that Wentz, Peters, and Hicks are coming off injury. Then you can debate that. But in terms of their moves, I, I like the moves overall. It's just the one not assigning that, that I have some concern about. But all right, so we talked about the draft at the beginning of the year. I mean, sorry, the beginning of the podcast. God. <laughs> long <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's been a long podcast, yeah. But uh, no, um, the, at the beginning of the podcast. So two weeks out, two and a half weeks out, what are you feeling about, about the Eagles draft? Is there, do you have a feeling they'll go one way or the other? Are you feeling a trade? Is there a guy you really hope, you really think they should take, a guy you think they should avoid? Like, let's just get this, this, this started here. Where, where, where are you at with the draft right now? You know, the interesting thing about the number 32 pick is, I don't know if luxury is the right word, but they have the capability of, they could just wait until, you know, see how everything plays out in the first round and they don't need to jump and make, they don't need to make a trade until it gets there really or right before it. So when a team gets desperate because a guy is falling uh, or if there's a guy that they've really high on their board that falls to them, they can swoop them. So I think if there's an advantage to having that late of a pick, it's that they can kind of, you know, wait, you know, suss everything out. And thinking about that, you know, I, I, I kind of think they're going to stay. I thought about this. I know it makes a lot of sense for them to trade back and get some more picks. But I, I think there's going to be somebody good that falls to them. I don't know who it is. I, I think Justin Reed is just a perfect fit for what they need. I, I, I think they're going to keep the pick, and I think it, they're going to draft either a safety or a defensive lineman. Yeah, I, I think safety is certainly a possibility, especially when you look at the, uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod contract situations. They've never really had, like, a guy to develop there. When I, when I think about number 32 overall, I think of a couple of things. One, everyone goes, well, just trade back and get more picks. Well, you need somebody that wants to move up. Like, you don't just trade to trade. Yeah. And I don't think Howie will. Um, you know, like everyone can say, oh, just just sell your house. But you got to get a good value for it. Um, so I don't think – I think that the best case scenario for the Eagles in a lot of ways is Lamar Jackson falling to 32. And then you get a team that really wants him, that's willing to – you know, I mean, that the value of the 32 overall pick is – it's got an extra contract year on it. So if you take Lamar Jackson at 32, you have him for five years. You take him at 33, you have him for four. And for a position like quarterback, that's incredibly valuable. And really for all positions, but especially quarterback. So if Lamar Jackson's there at 32, then I think you could really see a team like give up a future first or something like that. And because you just mentioned, the Eagles have the luxury where they don't need to get a guy that I think if a team like, uh, let's say the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals... Lamar Jackson's at 32. They say, we'll give you next year's first, you know, for, uh, for, um, 
for the pick. And then if you're the Eagles, you don't pick until the fourth, which does suck. But that Cardinals pick next year, if I know anything about the Cardinals and the fact that Sam Bradford's <laughs> on that roster, that is going to be a lottery pick. The Cardinals are not making the playoffs. So I do think that's like you would consider a situation like that. Um, but outside of trading the pick, like I said earlier, I think defensive line is the way to go. Uh, one thing I've learned from covering Howie all these years is he values the quarterback position, the defensive line position, and the offensive line position. And of those three right now, I think defensive line is – they're not going to take a quarterback. So is the most likely to be there at a value pick. Um, I think they defensive tackle is a possibility. But my guess is right now if they stay at 32, you end up seeing them take a defensive lineman just because – with one pick in the first three rounds, I think they're just going to take what position they value the most. Like, they'll think they can get a running back later. Like, uh, Geis out of LSU, everyone wants him. And it's a possibility just because who knows. But I don't think they value the running back position enough to use one pick in the first 100 picks on a running back, which is something you have to consider if they don't trade back. So I think as of right now, I'm still looking at defensive line, defensive linemen. And I, I'm, like, not as sure they're going to trade as, as I used to be. Yeah. You know, with the running back thing, you, you can just, just look at who they had at running back last year. They got LeGarrette Blunt late in the process on a one-year deal. They found Corey Clement as an undrafted free agent, and they mm-hmm. traded a fourth-round pick. So they essentially drafted Jay Ajayi in the fourth round. So right. you, you just look at it. You can get running backs later or cheap, cheaply. So I, I think yeah. that's that's something to look at. But in terms of drafting a defensive lineman, the, the only – reason why I question that is that there's not as many like great pass rushers in this draft. There's not that many great pass rushers in general, but yeah. I just think it, it would have to be one of the guys that's projected to go higher that falls to them if they're going to draft a defensive end, I think. But I mean, you mentioned defensive tackle. I think it is possible they pick one. The thing about defensive end too is um, still haven't signed, re-signed Brandon Graham. I mean, yep. I know he's under contract, but still haven't given him a new deal. Chris Long's getting up there. Michael Bennett's getting up there. So I think if they have a guy at 32, that they feel maybe not next year, but a guy that fits a lot of their like physical demands of what they want out of a guy. I think you could see them take him and then he just doesn't play a ton. But then in 2019, he like starts. So I think defensive defensive uh, line is certainly a possibility. So, all right, we hit everything we wanted to talk about. Alshon, the offseason changes, uh, my Jordan Matthews take, which is a prerequisite on, on every podcast the draft. <laughs> So I guess the last thing is, I mean, you know, this is your first podcast. How do you want to end? Anything else you want to get out there? I mean, you feeling good about it? Are you regretting taking the job and coming on this podcast? I mean, how you feel? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm finding out about all your old hot takes just on Twitter. And you it's just got to check fun- my mentions. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you, when you introduced me on Twitter, you uh, you said to let Zach know what your what your favorite or least favorite LA take was. It was just, yeah. it was just funny how met- well, quickly Jordan Matthews was the most popular one. Uh, we got we got a few Carson Wentz, Cardell Jones. I think there's a few other ones. It's just fun getting to know Elliot via his old hot takes. And everyone should be following Zach on Twitter. He's not only used to cover the Sixers, it's about to be playoff time, going to have some Sixers takes, but he's going to have a ton of Eagles news for you too. So everyone go and uh, and follow Zach on Twitter at Z-A-C-K Blatt, Zach Rosenblatt. I'll, I'll retweet it a little later, get your follower account up. Um, we got to get you to 10,000. You're only at <laughs> yeah, 70, seriously, I need to get 7,000 now, 7,200. So everyone go follow Zach on Twitter. My, my saying is it's better to have a take than no take at all. I mean, you just got to, <laughs> you know, you got to be out there. You got to be opinionated. So what we like to do here. We like to have fun. This isn't going to be, you know, a down the middle podcast. And, you know, I just know from getting to know you in these last few weeks that you're going to be, you're going to be great at it too. So I'm excited that we got this first one, you know, kind of off the schneid. We'll be back. We're going to try to do them more frequently now that, um, you know, we have everything settled at NJ.com. I don't know when the next one's going to be, but I promise it won't be another three or four weeks. I can definitely promise that. So 
That is it. And Zach, I will talk to you on the next episode of the No Huddle Show.